Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages. I've got two stories, well, one story to quickly share with you before I dive in to the Word and it'll make sense. We went away two weeks ago to um, Kimberley. We were ministering there. And uh, one of the things that, that happened while we were ministering there is they, they put us in a, in a really nice hotel. And um, how many of you know that you go minister out or you, you, you ever been, anyone been on a business trip and you put in accommodation that's like less than what you expected? Anyone? Okay. And then you get there and you put in accommodation that's more than expected. Anyone had that experience? Okay. And so we arrive there and, and we're like, wow, this is, this is really awesome. And we go to our rooms and we've got two rooms that are joined together for, for our family of six. And um, we realize you start when you go to shower time, you realize there's only four towels. And Bernadine says, hey, why don't you walk to reception and just ask them for two more towels? So as I'm about to go out the door, I realize, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, I haven't hoteled in a while. I'm out of practice. I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's room service. You just pick up the phone. I don't have to walk all the way to reception. And Michael's checking me out, and he checks me phone, and, and then like, Five minutes later, the towels just magically arrive at the door, and Michael's like, I like that. <laughs> Michael's like, I really like that. So the next day, um, just before we, well, between ministry, we, so I'm, I can't say we were just lounging at the pool. We actually ministered, and then we were at the pool the Friday afternoon, and um, the lady comes and says, listen, if you guys want swimming towels, and Michael's already thinking, yes, I can phone. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to phone. So, so he's like, he literally goes back to the room <laughs> so that he can phone and ask for swimming towels. <laughs> but it's quite funny. I'm sitting in the, in the coffee foyer, and I see him go. And like five minutes later, I see a guy carrying a pile of towels go past. <laughs> and I know what the story is. I'm like, that's, that's really funny. That's, that's <laughs> All right. I'm going to get to the point of that story now. I was, I was running uh, in the week. And um, while I'm running, I hear these words. A servant who understands the ways of royalty will travel with the king. A servant who understands the ways of royalty will travel with the king. I'm like, yo, that's, that's really good. And already a paradigm is breaking in my mind. Because in my mind, I've always thought it's the king who understands royalty and the servant who doesn't. But the paradigm shift is there are servants who understand royalty. Does that make sense? There are servants who understand royalty. So if you spend time in, in like we did for a weekend in, in a nice hotel, suddenly you start to realize the servants understand something about excellence. 
They understand something about royalty. And it's the servants who understand royalty who get to travel with the king. This phrase just came to, to my mind while I'm running, and I'm like, sounds like a good word. Sounds like something I can say in church. And um, I'm like, okay, God, what are you saying? So I, I go have coffee in a coffee shop Thursday morning, and I'm just really just spending time in the Word, preparing. Just, God, what are you saying? And he says, I want you to read 1 Samuel 9. I'm like, okay. I open up 1 Samuel 9, and it's the story of Saul. And Saul's dad had donkeys, and they disappeared. It's kind of like the guys here who lose their, you know, Toyota Hilux or Rangers. They just disappear. And so the donkeys disappeared. Their form of travel disappeared. And Saul's dad's like, well, and this is when I'm like, got really excited. Saul's dad says, choose or take a servant and go find him. And I'm like, yo, God, God is really speaking. How many of you like have had that phone call come so loud? You're like, yo, God, okay, I, I hear you. I hear you speaking. I know you're speaking. And Saul had to choose a servant. And I realized something. Saul chose a servant of a specific caliber to travel with him. He didn't just take any servant. He chose a specific servant to go with him. Now, Saul wasn't yet a king. He was just a dude looking for donkeys. He was just someone who, he was, he was just, Someone's son looking for donkeys. And yet when he chose the servant to travel with him, he chose very specifically. I want to just, I feel like God wants to speak this morning. And um, I feel it in the room. I feel like there is, we're always shifting, we're always changing, we're always learning. But sometimes God wants to come and he wants to break strongholds. And he wants to shift us out of strongholds. And that, that stronghold that he's constantly calling us out of is, is the stronghold of being a pauper. He wants to pull princes. He wants to call out the princes this morning and say, where are the princes? Where are the people who understand royalty? Stop being a pauper. What is a pauper? A pauper is someone who is very poor. What is a prince? A prince is someone who understands their true identity as a child of the king of kings, who is a royal heir to the eternal kingdom of God. Someone say amen. Someone say, I am a prince. Okay, I'm going to challenge you today. Are you living as a prince? Are you really living in your understanding of your identity as the king of kings, in your identity as a royal heir to the kingdom of God. And I know many of us actually journey as we grow in our lives. We, we live in a place that's between prince and pauper in certain areas of our lives. Some of us are really poor at some things. 
And we're really good at others. But God wants to call us out of that poorness into his richness. And yes, it's spiritual, but it manifests physically in our lives too. So there's a book that Chris Vallotton wrote called The Supernatural Ways of Royalty. And just the idea of being in supernatural royalty has changed my life. Just the idea. Just when I picked up the book and I just, some of the truth just jumped out at me, I realized, wow, there's something here. There's something, there's something to living with supernatural royalty. And it manifests on us and it manifests out of us. And at the end of the book, he's got an 89-question test just to see how princely you are, how paupery you might be. And I've just taken some of the questions out because I want to, I want to let you decide. How much of the pauper spirit do you resonate with? How much of the prince spirit do you resonate with? Because what we do, what we say, the choices we make manifests out of our spiritual standing. Does that make sense? So, answer these questions to yourself. And I, and I want to say, we're all kind of in between. Answer these questions and see if this resonates with you. Answer them yes or no as I read them, right? Just in your, in your own heart. I, here goes the first one. I tend to have a sarcastic sense of humor that cuts people down. Where do you rate one to five on that? I like to buy things that are on sale or at a discount department store. I struggle with Feelings of inadequacy. I am uncomfortable around rich and or successful people. I tend to build cases against people who have power over me. The friends I feel the most comfortable with are usually broken people. When I choose a team to work with me, I choose people who I deemed as weaker than myself. I struggle with fears, especially the fear of rejection and the fear of failure. How many of you just, some of those resonated with you? Anyone in the room? Okay, that's okay. Okay, that, that stems from the pauper spirit. And I resonate with some of those. Okay, so, so I'm... I'm we're busy, we're busy journeying over here. Okay, here's the prince. I can eat at nice restaurants, stay in nice places, and have things with nice things without feeling guilty. I am hard to offend. I enjoy investing in people and seeing them outgrow me. I love myself and sense God's pleasure in me. I am aware of the Holy Spirit and Jesus talking to me throughout the day. I feel comfortable around almost everyone. 
except serial killers. I tend to attract important and successful people. I initiate making contact with people first instead of waiting for them to come to me. I bring out the best in people. I like to receive nice things from people. People stop using bad language, stop complaining, and or clean up their act around me, even if I haven't required it of them. I set goals for the areas of my life where I have responsibility. When I fail, I take responsibility for it without blaming others. I love being alive, and I look forward to the future. How many of you, some of those resonated with you? Amen? Okay. So in us, there is this pauper prince battle going on. And, and in his book, how this, how this is actually set up at the end of the book, and I want to I encourage every person to go buy the book, Start With the Test. Because what happens is you rate yourself as a pauper, you rate yourself as a prince, and you subtract the one from the other to see where you lie. Because we're all kind of on that journey. And then to honestly say, I want to be a prince, not a pauper. And I want to live understanding royalty so I can travel with the king. So I can go where the king calls me to go. Okay, so let's, let's read a bit about Samuel's, uh, Saul's, um, Saul's servant in 1 Samuel 9. Verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish. And basically he was Saul's dad. And Kish had a son named Saul, a choice young man, and handsome among all the Israelites, there was not one more handsome than he was. I hadn't been born yet, so. He was a head taller. Okay, I'm not so tall, but anyway. <laughs> and the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, were lost. And Kish said to Saul, take a servant with you and go and look for the donkeys. And I circled that word take, and, and, and I realized Paul's, uh, Saul's father didn't, didn't specify which servant to take. So he had to go in and choose someone. And unbeknownst to Saul, that was the most important decision he would make in his lifetime. At that moment right there, his response to his dad's request and his choice of which servant he would take was the most important decision he would ever make. So his servant goes with him, and it says in verse 4, and they passed through the hill country of Ephraim, and then through uh, the next country of Shalishah, and they didn't find them, and then they went to the land of Shalom, and then they went to the land of Benjamin, and they still didn't find them. And when they came to the land of Zuf, these places don't exist anymore. You won't find them in Google Maps. But when they came there, Saul said to his servant, Come, let us return, lest my father stop worrying about the donkeys and become more concerned about us. Anyone had to go buy a, a gift for your wife at Menlin, and end of the day you're like, 
Let me rather just return home, lest my wife start worrying about me. Okay. <laughs> they were kind of at this, this space, like, okay, our family is going to worry about us right now. They don't care about the donkeys anymore. But the servant he had chosen is the one who said something different. The servant he chose said, listen to this. Behold now. Whoa, wait a minute, Saul. Whoa. There is a man of God in this town. You see, if he had chosen a servant who didn't understand the rays of royalty, his servant would have said what every hopeless South African has said in that T-junction point. Yeah, near. His servant would have said, yeah, yeah, near. Okay, near. Come on, come on. Hopeless. But his servant didn't say. His servant didn't agree. His servant didn't say. Notice who's taking the lead here. Notice who is making the call. Come on. Notice who is making the call. His servant said, behold now. That's verse 6. Now, if you have your Bible like me open, glance over to verse 16 in 1 Samuel. God, is, God has revealed to Samuel, the prophet, in that town the day before. Samuel says the following, or, or it says here, Now a day before Saul came, verse 15, the Lord had revealed to Samuel in his ear, Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you will anoint him. Who did God speak to? Saul or the servant? Who did God speak to? Saul or the servant? How did God send Saul? Through the servant. Remember, the prince is aware of the Holy Spirit's voice wherever they go. That was one of the questions in the test. I am aware. I'm a prince, so I am aware of the Holy Spirit's voice throughout the day. Saul says, let's go home. Who's listening to the Holy Spirit? The servant says, behold now. Whoa, whoa, behold. In other words, I feel something. I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I feel His voice, and I am in awe. Behold, there is a man of God in this town. It's kind of like the closer you get to town, the more your hairs stand up on your arms the more you can sense the Spirit. So, the servant said, Behold, there is, a, there is in this city a man of God, a man held in honor. All that he says surely comes to pass. Now let us go. Perhaps he can show us where we should go. So the servant says, Saul, let's rather rely on the voice of the Holy Spirit. If he had chosen another servant, the servant would have said, yeah, let's go home. But this servant was listening to the Holy Spirit. He was a servant who understood the way of royalties. But it gets better. Then Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what shall we bring this man? The bread 
and our sacks is gone. There is no gift for the man. What have we? And the servant replied, I have here a quarter of a shekel of silver. Saul saying, we only have bread. Come on, he, he is he's the master. He only has bread. The servant has silver. He's the master, but the servant is not a pauper. Are you, are you, are you computing? Is Windows 95 working? If you were here last week. The servant, the, <laughs> the servant says, I will, give that, I will give that to the man of God to tell us our way. The servant says, I will pay. I will give. I like what Saul says. He's like, you have spoken well. It's like you go to lunch with your friend and you realize you've forgotten your wallet and your friend says, I'll pay. And you're like, you have spoken well, my friend. <laughs> Saul's like, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. You have spoken well. <laughs> Unbeknownst to Saul, this was Saul's first test of royalty. This was his first test when becoming a king. Now, all of us are called to royalty. All of us are called to lead in some areas. All of us are called to step up as kings. And I want to speak to both kings and servants in the room today. I want to speak to both. You, your position, whether king or servant, doesn't determine you, who you are, your self-worth. And it doesn't determine how you view poverty and wealth, how you view royalty and non-royalty. Whether you are a king or a servant, you can be a pauper or a prince. And on the initial journey, Saul's saying, it's hopeless. Let's just go back. Pauper mentality. Saul's saying, we can't go to the man of God. What do we have to give? Pauper mentality. The prince is saying, wait a minute. I hear the voice of God. I've got something to give. And I think back on the words that God just said, while I'm running, the servant who understands the ways of royalty will travel with the king. If you're a servant and you choose to live in the pauper, well, you're not going to go with. You're not going to progress with what God wants to do because God can't use you. Think about the servants that didn't get chosen. Think about if Saul was thinking, all right, I've got A, B, C, D, E, F. Which one am I going to take? There's six that didn't go with. One that went with because God could use him. If we're going to ride the wave of revival as a church, if, if God wants to use us in this world, then 
then we've got to be useful. We've got to have something to give. And to have that something to give, we've got to have the mentality of the prince. We've got to understand the ways of royalty. I want to challenge every person. If you're feeling like, man, I'm not quite a prince yet, don't kick back. Don't run away from the ways of royalty. It's challenging, but it is good to live as a king, to live as a prince, to understand the ways of royalty. So, so Saul's first challenge, his first test of royalty was to choose who goes with him. How did he, how did he choose? He chose someone who had something to give. I want to say this. When you choose people for your teams, when you choose people to go with you, don't always choose the ones that are weaker. And they say, oh, that's unfair to the ones that are. No, we're choosing to get things done. We're choosing to go somewhere. So choose someone who is more qualified than you for the position you're choosing them to do. Choose servants who are more qualified in their position. Does that make sense? Because paupers choose people that are weaker than them. Because they're, 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 they're so unconfident in their self-worth that they think if I choose someone who's weaker than me, I, I can kind of manage what's happening. And actually you just, make up, you just end up making more work for yourself. If you choose someone who's going to serve you, now I'm speaking to kings right now. I'm speaking to leaders right now. If you choose someone to serve you, but you always have to go back and double check, always have to go back and, and do the work over again, because they're not qualified for the position, you end up going nowhere. But if you choose someone who's more qualified than you to do what they're serving you to do, how many of you know there's going to be success? How many of you know there's going to be growth? How many of you know the intended outcome is actually going to come out? And I looked at, I just took a step back and I, I looked at the volunteers in our church and I, I looked at, at people that have served under us or people that have worked for us, even at home or, or wherever. And I looked back and I went, the ones that volunteered that were better than me in that area caused things to grow, caused things to move, caused things to roll. Help me step into royalty. Someone, I can see there's some people in the room who are leaders who know what I'm talking about. Some who felt the pressure of having to work things three times over because they chose people, they chose servants who still had the pauper mentality. Church, God is calling us to have a prince mentality. He's calling us. We can't spend our time. You know when we say he lifts me up out of the miry clay. You know what miry clay is? It's pauper mentality. It's poverty. It's oh, everything is hard. Everything is difficult. Everything is offending. Everything is, oh, it's just yucky. And God says he lifts me up out of the miry clay. We've got to, we've got to see his word and, and, and see for what it is. If I'm stuck, 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 stuck in something, I've got to get out of it. 
I've got to move out of it. Come on, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is movement. There is growth. There is qualification. There is ability. There is agility. There is movement. Are you with me? So Saul, without knowing it, chose a servant who brought the ability, who was more qualified than him to find the donkeys. They never found the donkeys, but they found the prophet. He was more qualified than him to hear God's voice, brought him in, and then God does something amazing with Saul. In 1 Samuel 10, verse 6, Samuel says, Go out. And he says in verse 6, The Spirit of the Lord will come on you mightily, and you will show yourself to be a prophet with them. And you, and say this with me, you will be turned into another man. The transition that took place is Saul went from having a pauper mentality to having a prince mentality. He was turned into a completely different person. Someone say amen. Amen. Anyone want to be a completely different person? I'm going to preach to this side. There were more hands this side. Anyone in the room want to be a completely different person? What is the spirit of prophecy? The spirit of prophecy is simply to be able to declare God's word over a situation. To declare God's word over a person. To declare God's perfect intent over a situation, over a person. So Saul had to, he he didn't even go through, you know, prophet school or anything like that. He literally was anointed first to be able to declare God's intent before he was able to lead with royalty. Samuel says, from now on, you're going to speak God's word. From now on, you're going to declare God's ways. From now on, you're going to be royalty. Why is this so important? Because there had never been a king in Israel before. There, had never, there, there wasn't a model for royalty in, in, in Israel. And sometimes we're afraid of stepping up into leadership. We're afraid of stepping up into a place of ownership. We're afraid of stepping into responsibility because in our lives there hasn't been a model. There, we... Maybe from generation to generation to generation, we've struggled. Maybe our families have struggled. Maybe we weren't born as leaders. And God's saying, I'm going to give you a spirit of prophecy to understand God's perfect intent for your life. So that you can just start to prophesy over your own life. So that when you're alone in your room, when you're thinking about things, that you're uttering prophecy over your life. That you're uttering what God says about you over you. That you're uttering what God says over your family, over your family. That you're, that you're declaring His word all the time. That you are saying, behold now, God's presence is here. 
And if you're doing that, you're going to start, you're going to be, a, you know, you're going to start living as a leader, as a prince. God spoke to us last year. He said, through this church, we're, people are going to become leaders in their fields. I don't see many heads going, yeah. Anyone agree? Are you going to be a leader in your field? Can I see some? Any, anyone? Can, just put up your hands. Anyone want to be a leader in their field? Put up your hand. Keep it up there. Okay. Come on, Uncle Ed. What's your field? <laughs> okay, now I want you to put up your other hand if you actually believe that you are going to become a leader in your field. Okay, so now let me say this. Leaders are people who serve. Leaders are people who serve. Leaders are people. They're not people who own the ship, who, who ride the bus up front all the time, who, who are in the captain's deck, in the captain's seat. Leaders are people who serve. Leaders are people who know what God has called over their family, over their nation, over their cities. They know what needs to be done. And they're saying, God, use me, send me. And they're able to say that because they're confident of what God has given them. So the more you serve, the more of a leader you become. No one becomes a leader without first serving. And the way they serve determines where they will lead. Do they lead as paupers, or do they serve as paupers, or do they serve as princes? Are we serving as paupers, or are we serving as princes? Because when we get chosen to lead, we're going to get chosen by our ability to live supernaturally, to understand God's ways of royalty. The Spirit of God will come and will show yourself to be a prophet and you will be turned into another man. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any person is engrafted into Christ, he is a new creation altogether. See, Jesus didn't come just to free us from the consequences of our sins. That's just step one. He, he knew that if God knew that if we aren't freed from the consequences of our sins, we will never grow from pauper to prince. But the church has to now realize, wow, I've been set free. I have every right, every possibility, every opportunity to now grow from pauper to prince. Therefore, I am a new creation, something completely new. My old previous self, my old spiritual condition has passed away. 
behold what, be, behold, there's that word again. Just, I want, <laughs> that behold word keeps popping up. Behold, I am, the, sorry, behold, the fresh and the new has come. I think that's a good place to turn to your husband and wife, look them deep in the eye, say, behold, the fresh and the new has come. Come, come, Adrian, I didn't see you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the old previous moral, the old previous spiritual condition has passed away. Church, if we're still living as paupers, then we haven't stepped into the new. Church, if we're not living as princes, then we haven't stepped into the new. We haven't allowed ourselves to be engrafted into the ways of royalty. We haven't allowed ourselves to be grafted into the vine that, that Jesus is. We haven't allowed ourselves to become that growth, that, that orchid of abundance that he destined us to be. Church, we, we can't be paupers. We've got to be princes. So I asked God, I said, well, what song of ascending do you want us to speak about today? It says Psalms 123. I'm like, I've preached on that before. Go there. Nope, not yet. Psalms 123, and I want you to think about the servant who understood the ways of royalty. Behold, who, who did behold. He said, unto you do I lift my eyes. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their master, and as the eyes of a maid to the hand of a mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy and loving kindness for us. Now he's speaking, the psalm is about ascending out of that miry clay, the song of ascending. There's a continual drawing in worship out of what is, what is down there into what is up here, which is the kingdom. See, the the servant in poverty says, Our life is exceedingly filled with the scorning and the scoffing of those who are at ease and with the contempt of the proud. Anyone ever wished for something and then seen someone else just get it easily and you feel laughed at? Anyone in the room? Come on, in a place of poverty, we look at others who are in a place of success. And we feel like they're mocking us when actually they're not. Come on, I've been to God. I said, God, why? 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 Why not? Why haven't you? If they, then why not me? God says, only the prince who understands royalty moves with the king.
travels. Every time I go, why them, not me? Poverty. Spirit of poverty. Spirit of pauper. God says, only the prince. Only the prince. Only if you understand the ways of supernatural. So in Psalms 123, the servant has a transition of heart. He says, God, like the servant, like, like I do look to my master, like I do look to my leaders, and I, experience, and I watch their hand and I wait for their grace and mercy, so I'm now going to turn to you and wait for your loving kindness, for your mercy. One of the things God has said at the beginning of this year He said, I want the church to experience my loving kindness. This is a season for my goodness to go out. People are going to come into these doors who are paupers, who are poor, who are in genuine poverty. And God says, my love is going to transform them into princes. My love is going to transform them into ways of royalty. And royalty is doesn't seek position for the sake of having position. You see, if Saul's servant wanted the position, he would never have served Saul. They serve out of a passion for what God has placed inside of them. They serve because God's voice is so real to them. And so the servant has a transition. How do we become leaders? We're servants, right? So whether I speak about kings, kings are servants of countries. Presidents are servants of nations. Mayors are servants of cities. Principals are servants of schools. Fathers are servants to families. Any place of leadership is a place of serving. And the person who is in a place of leadership should be serving more than anyone else. And the people they choose to serve with them serve better than them. You getting the picture? We've got to have a transition. I want to serve. I want to serve. I want to serve because I'm so nested in God's kindness. I want to share it with the world. I want to give it to every person that comes around me. God, will you help us to serve? But God, will you help us to stand as princes in our place of royalty? Is that good? Okay. Whoever stands first wants to be prince the most. <laughs> okay, my mom beat you guys. <laughs> Simple prayer. God, let's just put up our hands. Lord, I pray as we stretch our hands out this morning that you will place a sensation in every person's hands, whether it's physical or spiritual, something. Just place something in our hands this morning. Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, we want to serve you with all of our hearts because we, standing in this room, are a brand new creation. We want to bring what is fresh we want to bring what is new. Father, teach us to be princes. Teach us to serve 
with a royal mindset, knowing that we're heirs, heirs to heirs. Man, God, help me. <laughs> we're heirs to your kingdom, which is powerful. Everything is in reach because you say so. You said, call heaven down and he'll do it. So, Father, we reach up. Give us the ability. Give us the tools. Give us the finances. Give us the means. Give us the mindset to do what you've called us to do. Help us to serve with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Remember to visit our website at www.revivalministry.co.za where you can sign up to receive more of these powerful messages.